Coming up on Influencing Entrepreneurs. PR specifically is a long game. It takes a long time. There's a lot of work that goes into being creative and being thoughtful and having a strategy that a lot of people are just like, can you just like make it happen tomorrow? After years of teaching entrepreneurship and consulting with numerous companies, I realized that when business leaders shared stories of their success, hardships, and mistakes, it always had an impact in the classroom. So I thought, why not share these real-life business cases for education and inspiration? I'm Kazmer Ward, and this is Influencing Entrepreneurs. On today's episode, we speak with Corey Smith. Corey is the owner of Black Wednesday, a Charlotte-based marketing and PR company focused on personifying brands through creative, innovative, and organic strategies. With community building as a focus, Black Wednesday helps brands tell their stories in unique ways, specifically through the use of PR, consultancy, social media, influencer marketing, and events. Corey works with small to large-sized businesses, boasting clients like Chopped Creative Salad Company, LaBelle Helene, Gibson Mill in Market, and Constellation Culinary. So thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for having me. Let's just start very high level. Where did the idea of Black Wednesday come from? So I've been in first sales and then marketing for quite some time. I was working, doing marketing and PR and event, social media for small businesses. Uh, so I had some experience, but I felt like I wasn't really helping enough people by just working for the one brand. Um, and so I started doing some freelance work, elevating those services and offering them to more businesses and brands. Um, and that sort of over the course of a few years of freelance on top of full time and then just freelance turned into Black Wednesday. And so now Black Wednesday is basically the, those same services that I was offering as a freelancer and before in my past life of career. Let's talk about that. So really the side hustle. Mm -hmm. So you were with a, a PR marketing firm doing sales there? Well, I was doing it for a brand, yeah. Where does the opportunity for a side hustle come from? Well, side hustles are really interesting. I think it comes out of just like a genuine overachiever type nature where you just want to like do more and you want to fulfill a personal need of staying busy, creating and generating cool work. Um, not necessarily wanting to do as much as possible, but to do things really well. Um, and often a full-time job where someone, whether it's your boss or a client, is sort of like keeping you in a place is not allowing you to be as creative as possible. So when you do a side hustle, you can really like get really creative and you have ownership in what you're doing. And so I think that's where most people get into the side hustle idea. That first freelance project mm -hmm. that you take is that something that comes to you or do you make a decision to say I'm gonna go look for yeah so it came to me which is lovely and that's sort of how we've built all of Black Wednesday's businesses through referrals so I've never prospected which is like a huge blessing um, people through word of mouth and positive referral have recommended me as an individual and now Black Wednesday so that person was like, I hear you're doing cool things for whatever. Um, and I'm also very well connected. I'm like a connector by nature. And so I knew a lot of people and they would say, I hear you're doing this or I heard you did this and it was successful. And can you do that for me? The pressure on that first 
freelance. Oh my God, it's terrifying. Oh, talk about that. Yeah, it's terrifying because you never, and I think if you asked any entrepreneur this, you never totally know what you're doing. Like it gets more and more sophisticated over time because you learn and you learn what works, but it's a lot of testing, it's a lot of failure, <laughs> it's a lot of trial and error. And also when you're on your own, there are so many variables that like something has to go wrong, right? Like nothing will ever be perfect, things can always be better. I think that's like something that staying in that discomfort is just like a rule of thumb if you're gonna be an entrepreneur. Um, and so, yeah, it's terrifying because you're like, am I doing this better than anyone else? Am I doing this the best that I possibly can? Often you can't because you don't have all the resources or the client is not helping you or they're not providing you with the things that you need. And so then you're just like making whatever work. So it's super stressful. And then also there's the whole concept of like, what do I charge? right? Because there's not a million people out there just like giving you their rate sheets or talking about how what's the going rate in whatever market you're in. So it's super stressful for a lot of reasons. But I would say the quality of work is like the biggest stressor to make sure you're doing things well. So as you start amassing some of these these freelance projects, you, you get to a two, three, four, five. Where does the impetus to start? When do we make the decision to stop our, or quit our current job? Yeah, so my freelance came sort of to a halt when I was actually running social media services for an agency. So I was like a freelance contractor, but like running their whole social media program for their clients. And the problem there occurred when um, Charlotte's a really small city and a lot of people knew that it was my expertise behind the guise of their agency. And so I was emailing sometimes the same people from different email addresses and there was a lot of brand confusion in the market. Well, Black Wednesday wasn't a thing yet. So they were like, do you work full time for this agency? Are you doing your own thing? Like, how do we engage you one way or the other? And so there was a lot of brand confusion. And so I was just like, you know what? Like, I just need to have my own thing. Um, and that's sort of where it came together. So the, the day you make the decision to start Black Wednesday, what is the first step for you? Coming up with a name. So I knew it was, I knew that I needed a brand name and I knew that I was gonna start my own company. I just like hadn't really put my finger on what the name would be. It took me a really long time, like nine months. And that was sort of like why it didn't get started sooner than it could have, you know? Um, it took me a long, long time and then I wanted to get some, like do some temperature checks with people in the industry, with family members, with friends or uh, mentors get some feedback and I got all sorts of interesting feedback and I decided to just like run with Black Wednesday and that's when it became a thing. But I would say that was the hardest part. I already had the expertise at that point, skill set, had some clients that were gonna roll over from freelance to my new full-time thing. Um, and so the hardest part was, was really the branding itself. You told us about the process of coming up with the brand. What is the brand? So we are a boutique marketing and PR agency. 
We offer um, some branding and design services, but it's more so like secondary uh, branding, which is you have a brand and now we need to tell everybody about it. And so we do PR, we do consultancy through marketing, um, we do email marketing, we do events. So um, pretty 360 as it relates to trying to really build authentic communities around the brand that you have. Okay, going back to that, and, and that's how, how you implement. And, and the example I always like to give is um, the mechanic always has the worst car because they don't work on their own car. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Black Wednesday's brand. So that's what you do. What does the brand stand for? So let's talk about where did that come up? Where did Black Wednesday come from? Um, okay, so Black Wednesday came from a personal brand that I had sort of created slash was recognized in the market through only wearing black. People started to sort of identify me from a visual perspective, but also from like an offbeat, different, unique, sort of um, individualized personal brand. Um, and so when I was thinking about how would I translate my personal brand into a professional slash business brand, I definitely wanted like black in the name. Also from like a local landscape standpoint, there are some pretty basic named companies around, whether it's local or global. Um, so black, having black in the name was going to lend itself to something really edgy, which is what I believe we do. It's edgy, it's innovative, it's different. Wednesday came from two things. Wednesday Adams, um, whom I've always loved, like offbeat, weird, very dry, um, sort of dark and just like very, could be off-putting for some. Um, and then also Wednesday is the day of the week. So sort of the underdog of the week. Um, people only care about Wednesday when it's getting them closer to Friday. And I thought, you know, marketing really is making anything cool. And so like we could make Wednesday a school. And so it just became Black Wednesday and that sort of, um, was different enough for the local slash global landscape, unique enough to speak to me, um, but didn't have my name in it, so my future team could really take ownership in it. Um, and it's just cool, I think it's really cool. And It's um, an excellent brand. People identify with it. And, you know, there was a little bit of hesitation because it was like, you know, Wells Far would Wells Fargo ever work with us? Or would these sort of corporate brands work with us? And they do, um, because they want that sort of like magic that we are able to create. I want to come back to, to those corporate clients in a second, but picking up on one thing you just said, because we live in a world full of everybody wants to own their own business. Yeah. Why not Corey Smith Agency? Well, first off, I don't think my name is that cool. Um, and also I'm, I'm not, uh, I would like to think I'm super humble and so like having something named after me is like, seems not, it doesn't suit my brand. I just okay. don't identify with like having something like named after me in that way. Um, and so I, and I did know that like down the road I was hopeful to have a team. And I just don't really feel like my team would really like rally around Corey Smith agency as much as I could with a more um, brandy sort of name, if that makes sense. Right. But so you're, you're an extremely talented businesswoman. 
Um, you're, you're, you're known in our community for the services you provide and so is Black Wednesday. What challenges do you face separating Corey Smith, the person, from the brand? Uh, I would say from a client perspective and from a business perspective, it's really difficult because the people that come to us want to work with Corey. And it's really hard because I can't do everything. Right. Um, I would love to be able to do everything. Uh, if anyone hears about cloning, I'm totally interested. <laughs> um, but I, I physically can't do everything anymore. And that's why we have a team. It's tough, you know, for someone to call and say, we want you because you can do something really cool for us. And it's like, well, it's the team actually. And like, I am a part of everything, but I can't do everything anymore. Um, and so I would say that's a big, problem um, and then also I think um, you know there's this whole like trend of like work-life balance and self-care and I just like don't subscribe to any of that and so you know there's a little bit of judgment uh, in the community from like a social norms perspective where people don't identify with how I live my life I work 15 to 17 to I don't know how many hours a day. I work on the weekends all day. Um, I love every minute of it. I'm not, I, you'll never hear me say I don't wanna go to work. You'll never hear me complain about anything. Um, and that's something that like most people can't identify with. And so they think I'm a weirdo. Early on, you decide that you're going to do this. You started just yourself, correct? Mm -hmm. What are your some of your oh crap moments very early on? Oh crap moments. Uh, well, I used some weird like online websites to help me set up the framework of the business, and that was like big oh crap because like they had checked some certain boxes for me that like took a lot of money from me at the end of the day for nothing in return. Um, because like I'm an intellectual entrepreneur, which means like I'm executing on like a creative skill set that's in my brain. I don't, I'm not necessarily like a business savvy person. I mean, now I am, but then I was like clueless. Um, and so I did things like the easy way, which ended up coming back to bite me um, in some ways. So uh, that took some money that was not fun. And, you know, I don't think there's a lot of resources available for entrepreneurs to say like, this is, these are the forms that you do and these are the order and this is the deadlines for your quarterly taxes. Like there's no one holding your hand through that. And so I would say like the biggest oh crap moment was like trudging through the trenches of trying to like figure all that out myself. How about the first win? When it, what was, what win early on was the, the sweetest victory? Um, so Black Wednesday is almost five years old uh, and we've been working with Chopped which is a national fast casual salad brand. We've been working with them for about three and a half years. So for a long time. And I would say that that was a big win and being able to stay with them and grow with them. And we've in, increased our scope of work with them over the course of time has been a huge win for us to have a national brand on our roster and for a long time and hopefully they'll never get rid of us is, was a big win. With CHOP, you're able to grow with them and uh, they were you know, much smaller when you started out. That probably was your, your niche early on. 
How do you start catching the attention of the Wells Fargo's? Well, fortunately, Wells Fargo is in our backyard. So, um, you know, it was nice to be able to work with them and we worked with them in a very small capacity, but I see them all over and like they know me and I know them and we always talk about working together. Um, but you know, obviously they're a financial institution. They have full blown teams um, and a lot of rules and compliance and, and legalities around what they're doing. But we connected through a client actually. So they've sponsored one of our nonprofit clients campaigns for a few years running. Um, and so we connected over designing uh, marketing, programming, PR campaigns around uh, these giving campaigns that Wells was sponsoring. And so then they were like, okay, like we can do some more stuff with you. And that's sort of how that turned into something. But that was really because like I, physically met them in person and they could see some of the work that we were delivering and executing on. Would you say you are at a place with your company growing that you're now targeting these larger clients or do you still like, uh, do you have a profile of what you're looking for in the perfect customer? Um, no, I mean, we're still not in a space where we're prospecting. We still have a lot of people coming to us, um, but I can sort of gauge like if it will work out or not. I have not really like, I feel like lots of times agencies are like, oh, we'd love to work with X or we'd love to do Y. I'm just not like a super high expectation person where I like want to be let down by chasing some weird dream. I'm more realistic to say like, if someone comes to us and wants to work with us and I think it would be a good fit and it meets both of our needs at that moment um, and for like hopefully a long-term sustainable relationship then we'll we'll jump on it. So in order to not set the expectations too high or let's to meet expectations what are some of the misconceptions that clients come to you with that that set those unrealistic expectations? Um, that they can do a lot of things for no money um, or that they don't need to have any uh, skin in the game. So they'll often think that, uh, for example, like they'll, they'll say, get us, get us press coverage. And it's like, wow, you gotta help us. Like we have to work together toward building, you know, mediable opportunities and what are the stories and you need to let us into uh, meet your team and we spend a lot of time on coming up with creative ideas whereas they'll come to you and just think that you're gonna like get them press coverage and it's like well sort of a team effort um, and also it takes time and a lot of creativity um, so that's one where they just think that they'll turn things over to you and that you'll just like literally like bippity boppity boo like press coverage so a lot for no money uh, they won't have to participate in the activity um, and just that like things can happen overnight. I mean, it's sometimes they can, um, but PR specifically is a long game. It takes a long time. There's a lot of work that goes into being creative and being thoughtful and having a strategy that a lot of people are just like, can you just like make it happen tomorrow? It's like, no, not really. So how much of your business is in PR and marketing? is uh, digital versus more traditional um, event planning, media? 
I would say maybe 60% digital and 40% like in real life uh, relationship building. So with the digital portion being so uh, kind of the, the more prominent part of your business, how do you stay on top of that since that technology and trends change so rapidly in that area? Yeah, they change like every day. Um, I'm just like reading all the time and trying to stay on top of everything. So I have some pretty trusted resources that I go to, um, some softwares and things that I use. Uh, I'm just consistently reading, watching, watching YouTube. Um, there's a really great, there's some really great like social media experts uh, and influencers that I pay attention to, see what they're writing about, but just like consistently like grasping. Uh, for new information and to stay on top of it. So that way not only can we understand it, we can implement it, we can educate our clients about it. Let's talk about companies outside of your client list because they've hired you to handle this. But what are some of the company's biggest roadblocks in communicating their story? I would say a big one is content. Um, and, and the reason they don't have content is a few things. One, they don't have a budget to create really great photography, to hire someone like us to help them craft their stories, um, to make videos, um, to write blogs. So there's a human capital component that's affiliated with the budget and then there's also like a tangible assets um, uh, that could come out of having that budget. So I would say that's a big part of it because every brand has a story, every person has a story, but you need something, the stuff, to like help you translate that. And I would say like a big problem or roadblock is that people will come to you and say, I just spoke to someone on the way over here on the phone and he was like, this is who we are and like get us press around it. And it's like, yeah, but like, what's new? What's fresh? How, what, who cares? Like, why is it important? And they're like, well, because we want to compete with all of these other places that are opening in the city. And it's like, that's not a good enough reason. Like, I need to know, like, what's the story? So where we were talking about before is not with your clients, but with some of the companies out there. What are some of the misconceptions they have when they tell their stories? The content, um, it's really tough from a budgetary standpoint for brands to collect, create, design content um, to then deliver it. So we're talking blogs, we're talking photos, we're talking videos, um, we're talking people to manage that, like from a human capital standpoint. And so I would say like the biggest roadblock, even our clients included, the biggest roadblock toward um, properly sharing their stories is creation of those assets to use to better explain themselves, if that makes sense. So is there a viable option with that kind of misunderstanding that they come to, to an agency such as Black Wednesday and they just say, here, take care of it. I don't want anything to do with it. Can, can a company be that passive with an agency and it just get taken over or do they have to participate? I think it's best if they participate. Yes, they can hand it over. I mean, that's why there's so many agencies and often with big companies, they do. The problem when you hand off everything is that you often get taken advantage of, honestly, I think. Um, and so it's our work to collaborate and to create something together where um, everyone's in the loop, everyone knows what the objectives and the goals and the outcomes are. Um, and it's just gonna be more successful that way, at least that's what I think. So what do the next five to 10 years look like for Corey and Black Wednesday? 
Um, I'm not really sure what a short-term goal is for me is to find someone super talented that can help me take over some of my workload. So I'm an employee um, and I'm trying to not be so that that way I can think, you know, vision, other cities, bigger growth, bigger clients, things like that. And so my short-term goal is to find someone really talented or a few super talented someones to support us in the execution of the work so that way I can think higher level. But, you know, we're growing really slow and steady and, and it's looking good. So hopefully we'll continue on that path and in five years we'll be that much more successful. Well, thanks for taking part Thank in this. You. So um, I will flash up your website and okay. any information with your company, but thanks again for being a part of this. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for watching. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash Nexogy Education or visit InfluencingEntrepreneurs.com to catch up on previous episodes with Casimir Ward.